Welcome back to Dad Travel, everybody. AJ Johnson here again. Thank you for joining me for part two of the Scotland saga. Uh, part one, if you haven't checked it out, please do all about my solo travel uh, around Scotland, mainly to the island of Isla, the home of great distilleries such as Laphroaig and Lagavulin and uh, Ardbeg. Absolute great episode. Um, get to hear a lot about my, uh, my fun drinking adventure there. So part two, though, coming up. Uh, so this second half of the trip, I was not solo. I had some friends that came along, Eric and Greg, and we did a little cross-country adventure, still had plenty of drams, and just had a great time. So stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy it. So since I know that I'm going to bounce around a lot, talking about different distilleries and castles and different sites that we saw, uh, our route that we took. So my buddies landed in Edinburgh, picked up a car, drove north to Perth, had a little day stop, drove further north and then to the west, then to Inverness and used Inverness as a home base on one of the days or multiple days, actually. <clears throat> and then from there, we, we traveled southwest to uh, Fort William. So Fort William is a great base for those y'all that are wanting to get out and sort of see more wild landscapes, uh, mountains, fields, you know, um, and this is one of the popular destinations that you're going to see on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, any type of photo that you see of Scotland that's that's out in nature. If it's not Loch Ness, it's probably the Glencoe area, um, which Loch Ness is just further south, too. So um, and then from there, we traveled uh, southwest again, sort of went through the Loch Ness area, went uh, sort of through Loch Lomond. And, uh, and then back into, uh, or back just east of, of Glasgow and then in, into Edinburgh. So post Isla, I ended up, uh, you know, taking the rabbis tour back into Edinburgh and, um, was able to stay with a family. So my first venture into Edinburgh, uh, at the beginning of the trip just rented a, a room um, in somebody else's apartment. And this time stayed in a house with a family. Um, very, very nice couple. Husband was from the U.S. Uh, I believe was a doctor. And um, his wife, um, his wife was Irish. And uh, they had uh, two kids. They had a couple dogs. One dog that they actually had as the picture on their Airbnb. Unfortunately, that dog had passed away. Uh, um, in the few months prior, but, uh, their one dog and I became fast friends and had a good time, but, um, but chose a little bit further North destination in Edinburgh too. So got to, got to stay in a little bit different, uh, part of Edinburgh that I hadn't seen yet and, um, had an absolute blast and their hospitality was awesome, but let's get to the meat of stuff here. So, um, stayed there, I believe for maybe about a day, day and a half until my buddies showed up. And ended up taking a uh, taking the bus back into the airport to meet them, and to just tell you a little bit about my my friends that were on the trip. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, Eric. He's he's my travel partner. Me and him have, have been many many places together. So um, you've probably heard of him referred to on previous podcasts, especially if you listen to the Ireland podcast. 
But my buddy Greg, you, you may also hear me uh, refer to him as Gorg, right? which is a, a little nickname me and my friends have for him. But uh, um, Greg had really, as far as I know, had, had not ever been out of the country at all. Um, I believe he he had to get his passport just right before our trip. Um, and I think we sort of had to pressure him into do it. Um, so Greg's one of those guys that, that he has his own sort of flow to life. And uh, he, he wants to do what he wants to do. Uh, didn't like to get out of his comfort zone very often. And so this trip was a massive step for him. Um, and, you know, by the end of it, he, yes, he, he, he absolutely had a great time. But there were times where, you know, we were worried about him, you know, how he was adjusting. Um, time one definitely had to be at the airport. <clears throat> so after texting back and forth and finally figuring out uh, what part of the airport they came in on and what part I was waiting at, I uh, ran up on my buddy, Eric. He was actually getting um, getting money out of an ATM at that moment. And, uh, and I'm glad he did because he actually had some some credit card issues that that had he not known then uh, it would have just taken that much longer to figure out. But uh, sort of sort of came up on him unannounced and, and uh, spooked him just a little bit. Uh, had a good laugh about it. But Greg, once I saw Greg, I could tell that Greg was having a rough time with the travel thus far. Um, I want to say his seat on the plane was not up to his satisfaction by any means. Um, so <laughs> I videotaped me walking up on both uh, Eric and, and Gorg. And when I walked up onto Gorg and and uh, <laughs> my, my first my first thing was just I thought about tackling him. I'm glad I didn't. So I walked up, didn't say anything, sort of slapped him on the arm. Not very hard at all. Um, and this guy, you would have thought he just got shot. Uh, he had some, some, some headphones or some beats around his neck. When I slapped him, he jumped so, so bad. His, his headphones jumped off his neck, over his head and onto the ground. And I immediately apologized. Um, but did get a little bit of enjoyment out of that, you know, not, you know, not going to lie. But, uh, but from there, um, we went out to the car rental station. Um, luckily, uh, luckily Edinburgh's, um, car park is, is very, very close. I mean, it's just a walk outside the airport and it's right there. Now I will say for those y'all flying in and are wanting to rent a car, it is a very, very sort of tight, area there. There's a bunch of different rentals, uh, rental companies there that they have lots. And so trying to figure out where to drive once you do get your car is a little bit of a mess. But, uh, but my buddy had got the car, put me on as the second driver. And, um, it, I will say it did take forever to get our car. Um, we were there during a very high, uh, tourism time. And so I want to say we waited there for maybe hour and a half, um, and part of the issue was the original car that we had, um, they did not have anymore. And so we actually got upgraded. I know we had a, 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 a large sedan, uh, cause we, we were going to have golf clubs. We were going to have, uh, bags. It was going to be three guys instead of just the normal two. And, and so there were some definite, de definite issues and, and, uh, and, and worries that we hadn't had prior just due to us being in a bigger group. But, uh, we ended up getting upgraded to a, I want to say a, a, a five series BMW wagon, which 
was outstanding <laughs> to drive. Eric drove it the majority of the time, but uh, I was able to get behind it uh, a couple times. And I tell you what, you know, I I'd never driven a BMW before, um, especially not that high of a series, and that thing could fly. Um, some of the drawbacks, though, <clears throat> for those of y'all that are thinking about going to uh, the UK, is you know their roads are are very very small, even in width, um, even on a two lane road. Uh, I can't tell you how many times me or Eric would be riding that white line and we would still um, still hit potholes uh, outside because, I mean, from from white line to yellow line on the road is just extremely, extremely narrow. So you got to have a little bit of, uh, of of courage to step out there and do that. Not and that's not even counting the fact that steering wheel is on the opposite side of the U.S. Um, you drive on the opposite side of the road. A whole lot more roundabouts, um, you know, and different road signs and road markers. So it can be a little bit scary to uh, to a driver the first time. Um, but from there, once we got our car, we were pretty good. Now the only other issue that we did have is Edinburgh was, or Scotland as a whole, was having their big agricultural fair, which just happened to be right outside the airport. Uh, and along the path that we needed to go to start our journey further north um, into the country. And so we did end up waiting in traffic a little bit. But from there, um, we're able to uh, get on the road and have some fun. And, and uh, you know, and this trip was was one for the absolute ages. And so part two, we're going to talk about some of our stops along the way, sort of adjusting, uh, especially my buddies adjusting to everything going on. and. Uh, and talk about some of the great places we uh, we hit up. So, finally got on the road. Um, decided to drive for a l- little bit, stop off, have some lunch. You know, we were really probably an hour behind schedule from what we expected uh, on our adventure thus far. Uh, so, we're getting a little hungry. Now, I will say on the way to our next stop, um, we... We took some time to get used to the car. And so uh, it was either before we stopped or after we stopped, Gorg, um, he was trying to change. <laughs> he was trying to change the music uh, or get back to the GPS. And I have a video on my phone. This guy, like we literally thought we had ruined the navigational system and the, and, and the whole sort of uh, um, sort of smart center there in the car. Uh, luckily, that was not the case. But uh but anyway, our next stop was on to Perth. Uh, so Perth is, you know, a really, really neat uh, little city just north of Edinburgh. Not a far drive at all. Um, sits um, sits right on the River Tay, and so it it has sort of this cool sort of sort of walled off feeling on one side due to the river. So we went over there, parked, walked around a little bit. You know, this is the time that we figured out that really truly that that uh that eric was having credit card issues and so that's one thing when you guys are traveling you have to make sure that you have spoken in depth with your credit card companies and your cell phone companies about any future travel because the last thing you want to have happen is get to your destination and let's say maybe you were smart enough to get a little bit of money in advance from your bank uh, in the currency that which you would need to use in your uh, future destination. But if you don't have that case, 
you know, if you're traveling alone, you're really, you're really at the mercy of, of, you know, of others or, or maybe having to go talk to a bank just to help work it out. But, uh, um, but if your credit card company does not know, or your debit card company does not know that you're traveling, it's going to be very, very difficult if, de- uh, if not impossible to get money out. And so, uh, so just be careful on that front. So, but uh, walked around, tried to get money out a few different places. He didn't, it didn't work. Luckily he was able to contact his wife, Denise, and they were able to contact the company and get it all sorted out. But uh, at this point, this is where we had our, our first sit down meal in a cool little pub. Uh, one thing that I'll say, you know, about Scotland, cause my buddy Eric definitely had this happen to him. So right when we got there, got our food set down, you know, after we ate, you know, uh, Eric got up to, uh, to call home, talk to his daughter. And so, uh, there's definitely a loudness factor, especially during the day. Um, us Americans talk a little bit louder. And so as he was talking on the phone, which you guys all know that voice, you know, where you're trying to talk on the phone and you're trying to get your, your voice heard and you're making sure that you're loud enough, but you don't realize that you're maybe two or three levels above where you need to be. And so had some had some weird looks, but you know, as Americans, we're always going to have our, our our little nuances sort of uh, uh, pointed out, you know, and and on display. So, but uh, had a good little meal, uh, walked around, you know, did a little bit of shopping. Um, from right there, we, we were able to get toys. Uh, Eric and I, we always try to get uh, some type of souvenir for our children, uh, and so we were able to go to a little sh- uh, shopping mall strip there and uh, um, and get a couple things and and go ahead and put them in our bags now. That way we weren't scrambling at the airport on the way home to try to find something for us. So, but from there our voyage uh, went further north. So our first night stay was in Inverness, uh, very very cute little town. Uh, definitely has sort of a college town feel. Um, of all the places that I visited within Scotland on this trip, it it definitely it definitely didn't have that small town feel. It um, it just sort of had a little bit of a not necessarily a rowdy, but just a very outgoing college college town feel. Um, so it wasn't necessarily my favorite. I know there's a lot of y'all out there that are real big into the show Outlander, um, which they did do some filming around Inverness, even though the show itself. Um, in the first season, uh, acts like that is sort of where the first big happenings in the series occur. Um, the main female character, you know, sees this vision outside of her hotel room or uh, of this little B and B, and they say that that's Inverness in the show. When in actuality, that is not. You know, and movies and TV shows do this all the time. Um, so if you go to Scotland and you want to go to that filming location that they used where um, I forget the lady's name, Claire, where Claire sees Jamie for the first time that is in Falkland, Scotland, uh, F A L K L A N D not Inverness. So, um, so be sure that if you try to go on an outlander trip that you sort of look and sort of see where these true filming locations were. Cause we did end up running upon a few others, um, in our travels there. So, but, um, we had a really nice little apartment, um, two bedroom apartment, not too far away from the Inverness castle, uh, which was just right up the hill. Really, really cool pub. I believe it was called the castle pub, uh, right across the street from the castle. 
and uh, ended up going there once or twice, you know, really, really small pub feel, which is those tend to be the ones that I love the most. And so we use Inverness as sort of our, our branching out point, sort of our home base. Um, our original plan was we really want to do what is called the North Coast 500. Um, it's sort of the, the less, less traveled part of Scotland. It's that far northwest quadrant. Um, but really to see the North Coast 500, you probably need to have at least a week just to do on that one uh, stretch. And so if we're going to do it, it really would have taken our, up our whole trip. We wouldn't have been able to spend as much time in Edinburgh, which my friends have never been to. Probably wouldn't have been able to hit up as many distilleries either, uh, which was something they really wanted to do also. So, um, so that's definitely in the bucket list bag for another day because um, – one thing that I enjoy is I really do enjoy seeing the places where you're not going to run into a whole bunch of tourists, you know, see places that are a little bit more, um, you know, out in the wild, uh, a little bit more natural. And so um, definitely another trip. I am definitely going to have to go up there and visit. So um, from there, though, uh, so pretty much our first sort of really cool touristy thing that we did is. Uh, the following morning, we did go to um, Glenfiddich Distillery. And so this was the first moment where my friend Greg, I could truly see joy. Right? I, I could see him sort of starting to open up, you know, and, and travel has a way of doing that to people, uh, especially those that are, you know, either maybe in a bad mood, uh, you know, maybe had something bad happen to them, or they just don't have a history of actually traveling and getting out there and, and visiting new places. So, um, so we went to Glenfiddich, um, pretty much sort of had sort of a late morning, woke up uh, for whatever reason, Inverness, the only real place that was close to us that we didn't have to drive to for breakfast was McDonald's. So I believe we had a morning breakfast there, which, which uh, the Scottish McDonald's uh, a bacon roll, with brown sauce is, is absolutely delicious. Uh, and we did make several late night trips to the, to the McDonald's there in Inverness also, uh, post travel or post pubs. But, um, but we, we went to Glenfiddich, had lunch, and then all three of us did a tasting. Um, so I did a tasting that, that had, um, some Balvenies, which Balvenie is the, is the Scotch whiskey that got me into liking whiskey. Um, my friend uh, Greg, he did um, he did a Grant's and I want to say one or two other um, uh, whiskey flights. And then uh, Eric, he also got a different one as well. So we all had sort of our our own little likes that we had. Um, I would probably say of, of all three of them, I enjoyed besides the Balvenies that I already had. I, I really enjoyed the uh, the the flight that that my friend Greg had there. And so, um, the lunch there was good, had a, uh, had a really good sandwich there. So, um, if you're going into space side, I want to do a space side tour of the distilleries there. Glenn Fittick is definitely a good one to hit up. Um, from there we also, so other distilleries, we went a little further North, went to Glen Morangy. Um, the weather on the day when we went there was probably the least desirable of any weather that we had the entire time. Um, downpour rain, drizzle rain, you know, really where if you didn't have your, your, your hood on and your hat down tight, you were going to just get completely soaked. But, um, but positives were that distillery was abs absolutely one of the, 
ones that I was not expecting to enjoy. Um, I, I'd had regular, you know, you know, uh, sort of the base Glenn Morangy product before was not super impressed. Uh, the tour itself had a great uh, tour guide. Uh, she was actually a college student that was uh, studying to be an engineer. And so when I told him or told her that that the two guys with me are, are both chemical engineers and and um, one of them especially focuses in the distillation process, you know, her ears perked up and, you know, lots of chit chatting back and forth and uh, definitely got a more personable tour because of it. And so uh, be sure that you interact with your tour guides regardless of the tour so that, you know, you may you may get some extra hospitality that you didn't plan on. Um, now, the the whiskeys themselves that we had there. Um, I want to say every single one of us bought a bottle at Glen Morangy. Um, my buddy Greg, he bought a Glen Morangy Signet, which actually has a roasted, um, roasted malt. Uh, so it's, it, it's pretty much the best way to describe it is it's a excellent dessert whiskey, which you wouldn't normally think that that would, you know, that, that, that would exist, but just the roasting sort of came out and, and created a lot of chocolate and toffee type flavors in the whiskey. It was absolutely good. Um, not something that I could drink a whole bunch of. The price point was a little bit higher too. Um, my buddy Eric, I want to say he got a uh, Glenmorgie La Santa, which La Santa is a sherry finished. Um, and then I myself, I got the, um, it was previously unavailable in the U.S. They actually ended up uh, bringing it to the U.S. maybe probably four or five months ago. Um, but it's a 14-year-old Quinta Ruben. And so it's uh, 12 years in a ex-bourbon barrel and then two years in a ex-port wine barrel um, or wine cask. And it was heaven. Um, got it as a recommendation um, or tasted it as a recommendation from our tour guide. She said that her and a bunch of other tour guides there, that's their favorite one to sit down with after a, a long day and sip on. And it was absolutely delicious. Um, gift shop was really, really cool. Tasting room, you know, the tour that we did, they took us in the tasting room. Um, there was, I want to say a, uh, I want to say an Indian or Pakistani family there that was with us. Uh, tasting at the same time. So kids were there too. Obviously they weren't tasting any. So it was a very interesting dynamic. Um, but just, I mean, very, very, very great experience there. Um, and then from there also, you know, one thing that we want to do is we want to play a little bit of golf. And so we ended up going, um, I believe it was, uh, later that day or the following day. And we went to, um, Hopeman golf club, which, it's sort of a no frills, you know, not a, a big, you know, pomp and circumstance golf club, but we're able to go there and, and uh, play around, uh, booked our, our tea time online, which for us Americans, if you're looking to go abroad, that there's a multitude of, of, of tea time apps and websites you can do that with. Uh, when we rolled up and told the guys that we, you know, booked online, they didn't ask to see verification. They're like, all right, man, have fun. Uh, we're very, very gracious. And um, and so the golf course is sort of in the northeastern coast. Uh, you, you start off um, sort of inland and then sort of work your way out to the coastline. And some of the some of the views that you had were just, I mean, absolutely gorgeous. You could not have asked for better views. I mean, 
Uh, on this day, it was sunny. It was bright, a little bit of breeze. Um, there was a beach down below and you could actually see the beach access nearby. Um, and so definitely sort of one of the uh, um, very, very welcomed but unexpected you know, highlights of the trip was that golf course. And we're able to go back and sit and have a drink in the clubhouse and you know a few of the workers there you know were, were chatting us up and that's actually where we found out about a castle nearby you know scotland has castles you know as does ireland and, and england and wales but they have castles all over the place and so not that far away and luckily we were able to to leave the golf course uh we were able to go to a restaurant nearby have a quick dinner and then just sort of right before it got dark outside, we were able to start at Duffus Castle. And this honestly was probably my favorite castle that we visited the entire tour because the castle itself is in ruins. There's no fee to visit. Um, all they have is just a, a little gate uh, to where uh, livestock and, 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 and vehicles and such don't get up onto the grounds. Uh, but just really, really neat castle. Um, one of the walls has actually slid down the hill, had, had broken off and slid down the hill. And so now it's probably at like a, a 55, 60 degree angle. Um, and so it, it was pretty much just sort of, you know, explore on, on your own and walk around and, you know, and, and see what you could see. And they had signs all over that you could read about historical context of the castle and the different parts and uses and just absolutely great, uh, great little castle to visit. So, all right. So other golfing that we did, you know, we, we actually rented our golf clubs, uh, from a, um, from a club there in Inverness. Um, I want to say it was the Inverness country club. Um, the guy that we talked to was awesome. Um, I, I took his car at the time that we rented, which we rented ahead online, uh, but but I've since lost it, unfortunately. Um, has family here in my local area, which was pretty cool. But we're able to rent just, you know, a, a very inexpensive set of clubs for me, a set for my buddy Eric and for my bu buddy Greg. So three sets. I want to say it was maybe 50 pounds each, 55 pounds each uh, for the whole week that we were there because we didn't really know exactly how long we were going to play. And for those of y'all that are golfers that are looking to, to get out and, and, and travel and play, sometimes the cost of you uh, taking your own clubs with you, if you don't have a, a, a bag to take them in, there's an extra expense. If you, uh, if you do have a bag, you still, you know, uh, baggage fees for those. Uh, and then if you rent them at the actual clubs just for a specific round you still may spend you know half to three quarters or maybe even more per round for a set of rental clubs that may be really just you know below your quality that you're used to by by many many means but uh there's also a lot of different options a lot of different websites that you can actually rent clubs online and they can meet you at uh at an airport um if you want to learn more about that, go back and check out my Ireland episode. I looked at that website um, for this trip, but they actually had none available. Uh, not, I think they may have had one set, but it was women's and they had no airport pickups that we were going to be near. 
And so this was just the best option that we just happened to find through a uh, through the the uh, North uh, North Coast 500 website. And so, um, you know, luckily we were able to find that. Otherwise, we would have been at the mercy of of whatever clubs we played at. So but um, we did go to Kragen Golf and Outdoors. Um, and if if Hopeman was not a very you know, uh, pompous and, 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 and high class golf club, this thing didn't even come to that, uh, level. Uh, so cracking golf and outdoors, really, really fun. Um, again, the weather wasn't the best, you know, rainy off and on, you know, we were sort of constantly taking our, our rain gear off and, and putting it in our clubs and putting it back on, but, uh, cracking golf and outdoors, a little nine holer. Uh, but they also have some fly fishing ponds there. Um, we were going to fish, but I want to say um, we were so wet and so sort of tired after it um, that we decided not to because my buddy Eric is a very avid fisherman, especially when it comes to fly fishing. So, um, but castles, all right. So, if you're deciding to go visit a whole bunch of castles, you have to look into Scotland has what's called the Castle Pass. We had no idea about this until we uh, we actually, as we were leaving Glenfiddich, we noticed that Balvini Castle was literally maybe three, four hundred yards up the road. Um, and so we decided to go check that out. And as we were buying our tickets, the lady there um, let us know about it. And honestly, it saved us a whole bunch of money because we ended up visiting one, two, three, four, five, um, five different castles, six different castles during our trip. And every single one of these was, was covered by this pass. There was a, a, a plethora of other options that we could have visited too with this pass. So, so absolutely look into the Scotland Castle Pass when you guys visit. Um, so other castles. So the Balvini Castle, again, right near Glenfiddich. Really cool. A little bit bigger than Duffus. In a little bit better shape. Uh, we were maybe one of four or five people there. So not a lot of tourists there. Uh, I mean, you could literally go to Glenfiddich uh, Distillery and not even know the castles up there unless you look at Google Maps. Um, so really neat experience there. Um, then from there, we went to um, Urquhart Castle, which is on Loch Ness. Um, so after we finished our stay in Inverness, we decided to uh, make Loch Ness on our drive further south. Um, and this castle was gorgeous, uh, had beautiful weather, um, and come to find out, um, you know, one of my ancestors was a part of the clan that actually built this castle on the side of Loch Ness. Um, I mean, just when you look up Loch Ness, or if you look up a Scotland castle, this is probably one of the top five search options you're going to see on Google. Um, I mean, just, just absolutely beautiful, um, different parts of the castle you can go through and walk upstairs and see the views so if you're a photographer there are some amazing uh, points that you can you know get at and and take just beautiful photos uh there's water access we can get down there um i mean just absolutely gorgeous um you know of the nicer castles we went to uh that was my favorite by far uh then from there we went to dooney castle so if you are again a Outlander fan, this was the um, this was the castle that they used in Outlander to be the home castle of the clan that Jamie was staying with in season one. 
Um, it also is where they filmed part of um, Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail. Uh, it's also part uh, or part of the show uh, Outlaw King on Netflix. Um, I want to say the Black Douglas uh, from the show when they infiltrate his his castle uh, that had been taken away from him and and his parents have been killed and he sort of goes on a rampage there getting his revenge there in the church. This is that same castle, but what's even better than that is this is what they use as the backdrop of Winterfell from Game of Thrones. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a massive throner. Um, Game of Thrones is is n- no doubt the biggest book series I've ever read. I've read every single book. I can't wait for Martin to put out uh, the next two um, because I know they're just going to be absolutely fantastic. So they have a really cool sign out front that says, uh, you know, home of Winterfell that you can go and take a picture at. Um, Neat Castle. Uh, sort of a hard area to get in uh, in the uh, city of, uh, of Dune or Dooney. Um, the turn is a little sharp. Uh, p- Parking is not in super abundance, but uh, but neat little castle. They're trying to do some renovations on it. Uh, and for you ladies, uh, Jamie from Outlander does do the, the audio tour of the castle. So you can get your little headset and listen to him and his accent as you walk through the castle. Um, we also went before we went to Edinburgh. We went to Stirling Castle. Um, you know, Robert the Bruce is immortalized there in a statue, as is William Wallace. The William Wallace statue or the William Wallace Memorial is not very far away. You, you can see it in the distance. Um, Stirling Castle, never been to. Very, very beautiful location, high up on this mountain. Uh, sort of hard to you know to get to. Again, parking is a a very big issue there. So, um, so if you go at a high tourist time of the year, just know you may have to park further down the hill, but, but do know that they do give tickets for that. If you park, uh, on the side of the road by the cemeteries coming up the hill, cause we saw plenty of parking tickets being given. So just be forewarned about that. Uh, but again, another beautiful castle. This was the most complete castle we went to besides, um, besides Edinburgh castle. Um, and then, yeah, obviously had to go to St. Andrew's uh, Cathedral, too. I know it's not a castle, uh, but it was, I believe, included in our castle pass. Did a tower climb there um, that is insanely gorgeous. Um, you know, obviously, as golfers, we had to go to St. Andrew's and and uh, um, take a picture on the bridge there on the 18th. Um and we're able to get some some memorabilia to bring back home. I brought I bought a ball marker. I bought a couple sleeves of balls. I bought a a, a golf towel, and I want to say that's it. But uh, but really, really cool. But then from there, you know, just a really really nice walk. Sort of walking along the coastline there um, to St Andrew's Cathedral, and this guys this tower climb. It sucked going up, but the views from there you saw. All down the coastline, you saw the ocean, you saw the the uh, the remnants of the cathedral around you, and it was just uh, spectacular. Uh, uh, Distillery-wise, so we did still go to a few others. Um, we went to Glen Ord, which this is one I'd never heard of, um, but Glen Ord is a part of a encompassing brand where they all use the same brand. I want to say it's Singleton. Um, whiskey where they each distillery pretty much their whiskey is sold to a different part of the world. All right. 
So it's a different global product. And so this one, Glen Ord, um, which was my least favorite distillery we went to, their whiskey is very, very popular apparently in Asia. Uh, so the Asian market really, really enjoys the taste of their product. Uh, I myself, I thought it fell a little flat, you know, but again, I am a very, very big, uh, big lover of the, the peat and the smoke and the very, very intense whiskeys. Um, but the other one we went to is we went to McCallum. And, you know, McAllen is a very well-known global brand. Um, you know, really, when you look at scotch as a whole and ask somebody, let's say, who's not a not a big scotch drinker or doesn't know a whole bunch about scotch, McAllen's probably one of the distilleries that they can name. And the cool thing about McAllen is they uh, recently built a whole new complex because they were running out of space in their in their previous one. Um, and so this distillery is the closest thing I've seen to a piece of art. Um, I mean, if you fly over in the airplane, you actually cannot even see the new complex. The roof itself has grass and dirt and turf. And so it just looks like rolling hills. But as you walk up to, you see the complex is sort of sunken into the earth and, and, uh, and just, really molds the area around it. I mean, it, it's just a really, really, really interesting place. Um, but from there I had without a doubt, the best whiskey I've ever had in my life. Uh, again, we all did a flight, you know, after walking around and checking out all the bottles, we were able to go up to the bar there and, and, uh, and have one, um, which their bottle selection and collection that you can go and visit and look at. Um, we had a lady there come and, you know, show us different bottles that were worth, you know, this one's worth, you know, $250,000. This one's worth several million. I mean, just, just outrageous uh, collection to actually view at and get within inches of, of course they're glassed off, but also the way that they, they've displayed them is very, very beautiful uh, and artistic. And so uh, again, a great spot for you if you're a photographer, but on our flight, again, we all did, different options uh, but then had a taste of uh of all these different varieties that you know that i had my buddy had eric my buddy greg had but my favorite without a doubt was the exceptional single cast number nine and our waiter who was extremely knowledgeable um he told me when i ordered he said i guarantee you this one will be your favorite of your four options or your three options i think it was three options and I said, okay, all right, we'll see. So he comes out and delivers them, gives us a few minutes to taste them. And then he comes back a little bit later and he goes, was I right? And I go, man, you absolutely were. This is outstanding. And so he went and grabbed the bottle and he brought it to me and showed me. And he goes, well, this is a really, really cool one because literally this is, you know, just like the name implies, this was one of a certain amount of bottles from one single cask, you know, not mixed with any other cask here in the actual distillery. And what do you guess the amount was that this bottle cost when it first came out? And I guessed, I want to say maybe, maybe five, $600. And he said, no, it was actually cheaper. It, it, it actually came out and it was about two to $300 US per bottle. And he goes, now what I want you to do, uh, get on your phone and I want you to look up this bottle and I want you to see what it is going for 
in an auction because there are no other bottles available in regular retail. You cannot buy one here. Even if I wanted to buy this bottle here at the bar, I would not be able to. And so I looked it up. And at that time, each bottle was going for about two to $3,000. And that was, you know, summer of 2019. I looked back up. I want to say it was February of 2020. And the bottles are already at about five to $6,000 each uh, from the few sites that I looked at. And so it was the most fruitful tasting whiskey I've ever had, but with without being too sweet or too tart. Um, it was a sherry finished whiskey. Absolutely, um, absolutely amazing. So um, another another reason to go there is you may be able to, to have a sip of a whiskey that even if you wanted to af- afford, uh, you, you may not even be able to, but still they have it there on a tasting. Uh, and it's absolutely delicious. So just to finish up sort of the last leg of our trip. So, you know, coming from Inverness down to Fort William, down into Loch Ness, um, which Fort William, for those of y'all the Harry Potter fans, the uh, the railway that the Harry Potter train goes on actually does come through Fort William. Our, our apartment there was actually uh, right up next to the actual railroad which was you know, a fun little fact, which they publicized in the Airbnb uh, a lot about that. Um, but then we went down you know, through Inverness, sorry, through Inverness, through Loch Ness, uh, and we're getting back more you know, into uh, civilization, getting close to Glasgow. Um, so other places that we stopped on the way, we stopped at Deanston Distillery, which I'd had a Deanston before, um, malt that was very, very good. It's a smaller distillery. Um, I've seen it on a few shows, um, which piqued my interest about it. Um, probably the best mainland restaurant that we had at a distillery was Deanston. Uh, you could tell there was a lot of locals that would come in just to, uh, just to try the food, which this is also not far away from, uh, from Dooney Castle that I talked about earlier. And this is another case of, you know, when we talked to, the people there in the uh, in the gift shop, you know, looking at bottles, uh, we did a tasting, and so our, our tasting guide, you know, again, just sort of introducing who we are, getting to know him, you know, again, once I let him know that, you know, hey, my two buddies here are engineers, and you know, they're both chemical, and you know, again, one's a distillation expert, blah blah blah. Um, he's like, hey, do you guys want to come see our our stills, you know, no charge, you don't have to do do a tour. And so he got approval real quick and, uh, and walked us back there and sort of, you know, every single distillery has a little bit different setup, you know, maybe a a little bit different angle at the top of their still, uh, you know, something, there's something that gives them their own little niche in the industry. And so, um, the, the guy was just a chatty Kathy and we had a very, very good time, uh, hanging out with him. And so, um, and then from there, that was really our last thing that we did um, coming into Edinburgh. And so Edinburgh is a great city. Uh, my friends got to see none of it besides the airport and um, the rental car uh, parking lot uh, at the beginning of the trip. And so we were able to find a place after looking at a few different options. We were able to find a flat that um, it's not necessarily in the touristy area, but is is very close we were just south of Royal Mile. Um, we were just south and a little west of um, 
of the Queen's residence there in Edinburgh when she comes to town, which she was in town. So the crown jewels were actually being uh, taken to and from the the uh, uh, from Edinburgh Castle. And we actually were at the castle when that occurred. Uh, for you gamers, though, we were just a few blocks over from the uh, video game studio Rockstar that has created classics such as Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, all that. Uh, and this one, the uh, the Scotland offices, uh, from what I saw, was one of the main uh, one of the main offices that did Red Dead Redemption Two, which is one of my favorite games of all time. So. Um, now, cool things we did there. We did go and hike St. Arthur's Seat, um, so sort of the you know southeast of the Royal Mile. There's these really cool uh, mountains and crags. So at first, we thought St. Arthur's Seat was these hills very, very close to our flat, and come to find out, St. Arthur's Seat is actually a little bit further back. So we thought we had started climbing up uh, the place and and didn't even get close to it. Um, but we had been recommended by the uh, the person who owns the apartment that we were st staying in that, hey, you got to go walk it. Beautiful views, um, you know, really cool pub on the opposite side that you got to visit. Um, so we tried to go to that pub the first night and it's called Sheep's Head uh, Inn. It's supposed to be, I believe, the oldest pub in all of uh, Britain. Um, so what she didn't tell us was it was, you know, it's a very busy pub to go to. We ended up going a, a couple nights later and actually being able to get a table. We had to make a reservation and, uh, and everything. But, uh, but St. Arthur's seat, if you're, um, an active traveler, you like to get out and hike and, you know, and get a little sweaty. This is a great destination to go and walk up. We were told it takes about 20 minutes up, 20 minutes down. Um, but what she didn't tell us is, is just how intense that 20 minutes is. Uh, I mean, every single one of us had to take stops at some point, and there were families going up this thing, uh, families with little children. Now, once you get close to the peak, you know, there are a few parts where you do have to watch your footing. You know, it, it, it's not the the easiest walk up or safest walk up, but, uh, but the views up there are spectacular. And uh, obviously, we, you know, we had to take something to sort of, you know, commemorate the moment. So we took a few beers put them in uh, our backpacks and just sort of sat up there and just enjoyed the moment. You know, as our trips winding down, this was just sort of our, you know, uh, you know, congratulations for us doing this trip and, and having so much fun. And they even have a little marker up there with arrows sort of pointing you to different cities and, and parts of the world uh, showing you the exact location to look off in that distance, which, the visibility that day was was very very clear, and we could see a lot of different things. So it was a, a beautiful moment. Uh, but from there, we just you know really tried to show the guys you know what Edinburgh is about. Uh, you know, showing some different shops. Um, you know, there's some great pubs along the Royal Mile. Uh, again, they're very touristy. A lot of them are very expensive, um, but we're able to find one or two that you know that were really nice. We were able to pop in real quick to, to get a good drink or get a meal. Um, but from there, you know, the coolest thing that happened is, is coming down from Arthur's seat. And I may have talked about it in a previous, uh, in the previous episode, but I found a geocache um, right outside of the, the, 
the ruins of a chapel that are um, sort of connected to St. Arthur's seat. And so I was able to find geocache. It was really cool and reminded me of my mom, which my mom was the whole reason I, I did this trip. Um, and so it was sort of the the ribbon that tied everything together that, that just made the trip even that much more special. Um, but from there, you know, the UK is known for not having the best food. Um, I will say probably, you know, probably comparable, you know, Ireland, Scotland, I'd probably give the leg up to Ireland for having the better food, but we did have some really good meals on this trip. Uh, we had some of the more gluttonous, uh, items. Um, so me and my buddy Eric did, did end up buying some deep fried pizza. It's literally where they take a, a pizza that's already been cooked and deep fry it. Uh, and it was, it was horribly delicious. It was very, very good. But uh, but this trip too. This is a trip where I told myself I have to have haggis. I have to. I've been to Scotland once before. Haven't had it. Uh, for those of y'all that don't know what haggis is, look it up. It is a. It's sort of. It's sort of Scotland's version of the of the hot dog. Not in the sense that it's a a sausage, but just the fact that a hot dog is sort of all the bits that we don't like to think about being used and put into an item. Haggis is their version. Um, and the big difference with theirs is some of the spices and seasons they put in it. So the big prevailing flavor that I got from trying haggis was oatmeal, which they do put oats in it and gives it sort of a grainy texture. Uh, it was good. It's probably not something I'll go and necessarily eat again unless, you know, it's, it comes with something else. But, um, but in that same dish, it did have blood sausage, which, or they call it their black pudding which again, another thing I've never had, been very, very curious about. And the, the blood sausage was absolutely delicious. I never really would have thought I, I would have liked it, but it was, it was something to write home about. It, it, it was that good. Um, and then from there, you know, this is where, you know, Edinburgh was our last two or three days. So this is, this was our home base to go and explore areas just right around Edinburgh. So this is, this is when we decided to go up St. Andrews, uh, check that out. Um, and really just spent the last few days walking around, shopping, checking out the sites, uh, planned on going and, and, and playing a, another game of golf. But we had to give our golf clubs back when we were in, uh, when we were in Inverness. So we didn't have the chance to play there in Edinburgh. And, uh, and I would have loved to go and, and, and play at the, the uh, course I talked about in episode one. Um, where I went and watched the radio show of, uh, of my home state biggest sports radio uh, show that just happened to be uh, visiting there. So, but um, those y'all looking to go to Scotland, you know, right now I know Brexit has, has for some people peaked their interest for some people has sort of shut down their interest, you know, just due to um, what's to come with that. And, you know, and one thing I didn't mention that, beginning of this episode since I did begin this saga so long ago is, you know, COVID-19 is, is, has sh shut down pretty much all travel right now anyway, uh, which I'll talk about more in a later episode, but, uh, um, but Scotland, Ireland's, you know, a lot of similarities. Um, I will say probably, you know, the pub culture in Ireland's maybe a little bit better in, in the fact that if you're looking for that music and sort of that fairy tale, British pub idea, uh, but we we did meet a lot of outstanding people in the Scottish pubs, both in my solo part uh, and in others. And so 
Um, so you got to get out there. You got you have to visit the pubs. That's where you're going to find a lot of good food, uh, a lot of good people. Um, castles. If you love castles, if you love nature and getting in, ex- getting out and exploring the outdoors, uh, if you love history, um, you know, Braveheart. Braveheart's a movie that inspires a lot of Americans to go and and visit Scotland and, you know, duly noted, you know, one thing that, that we want to do is, um, is we want to go to Culloden battlefield, uh, in Northern Scotland, sort of right outside of Inverness and just ran out of time. And so there's so many different sites like that, historic battles, uh, fields and castles and, and different locations. And just like I talked about earlier too, filming locations for, for, for shows such as Outlander or, Outlaw King from Netflix or, or even Braveheart itself. And so um, Scotland's w- one of my favorite destinations, which y'all know I lean a little bit Britain heavy, um, but great people, great food. And it's a place you guys absolutely have to go. So um, coming next on future episodes. Um, so another another destination that I've hit up since part one of Scotland is Hawaii. Never been. Um, that's as far west as I've ever traveled. And so um, got at least one or two episodes on that. And uh, um, if you guys could, you know, uh, subscribe, rate uh, on uh, on whatever app you guys are using, whether it be um, Spotify, uh, whether it be Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever else. Um, you know, especially with our current state of affairs and us not being able to get out and travel and, and, uh, and go out and hang with friends. I got a whole lot more episodes coming up that, uh, uh, sort of bide my travel lust and, and, uh, and get through this time. So, all right, guys, adios. And I look forward to talking to y'all again. See you.